Ladies and gentlemen, we are humbled to admit to you that we have multiple new listeners on the podcast. This can only be attributed to the fact that we've been putting out more content lately, and who are we but simple servants to the concrete industry, and we must give the people what they want. With that, welcome into a new segment of the Ad 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. This is Ad 10 More. Because when was the last time you were on a job site you didn't hear Ad 10 More? In this segment, we'll come to you with hard-hitting topics that involve the entire industry. Maybe not directly, but certainly indirectly. Topics that we should all be aware of, we should all keep an eye on, and we all need to be a little bit more educated on. We're here to do that for you. We'll do the research, we'll do the digging, and we'll report the news and the straight facts straight to you here on the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. This segment, Add 10 More, will air every Tuesday. Uh, most every Tuesday. For your viewing pleasure. So without any further ado, let's get into it. How we doing, boys? You like that? You like that? That's one take. That was one take. But before we start talking about anything, hey, we're here because we got sponsors. Sir. We are sponsored by the tremendous product that we represent on a daily basis called ActiGel 208. Joey, what do you know about ActiGel 208? Well, ActiGel 208 has uh, helped several uh, ready-mix producers, especially in the southeast and all across uh, the Atlantic in various parts of the country with their uh, manufactured sand issues. We got guys that are having natural sand trucked in from like 100 miles away, paying $30 a ton for it. Uh, they're throwing some Actigel in the mix. Uh, they're increasing their manufactured sand percentage in that in those sand blends, and they're getting manufactured sand from two miles down the road instead of 100 miles, and they're saving literally dollars per yard on their concrete. So that's what actigel has been doing. And tell me, Joey, if anybody wants to find out uh, if Actigel is a fit for them so they can use manufactured sand, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can email me directly. Uh, that is j.bell, B-E-L-L, at Active Minerals, all one word, dot com, A-C-T-I-V-E-M-I-N-E-R-A-L-S dot com, ActiveMinerals.com. Well done, sir. Well done. And that intro, Josh, that was just got, that was just a thing of beauty, man. Been, been dreaming it up for a couple hours now. Is that Top Gun? No, no. I was oh. going to ask you guys what movie is that from? Yeah. Early 90s, 1990. It was 1990 specifically. Starred Tom Cruise. And I might have watched it no less than 200 times in my life. Mission Impossible. Nope. Days of Thunder. Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> Dude, that that <laughs> intro song to Days of Thunder where they have, like, just the scene of, like, the event leading up to the Daytona 500 gets me juiced. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was so good. Goosebumps. That was so good. Goosebumps. And honestly, it's like a, I don't know, minute 45 intro, intro and I had to cut that thing down to 40 seconds. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. No, that was great. And uh, it's called the Add 10 More segment. Add 10 More, yeah. Love it. It's going to be less than a half hour, kind of a quick hitter, but it's a deep dive. Yep. We're going to get smarter here on the program, and today we're talking about uh, New Jersey law. What's it called? It's called the New Jersey Low-Embodied Carbon Concrete Leadership Act. Woo, that's a mouthful. And it is uh, labeled as a crucial step towards New Jersey's decarbonization. Uh, not only will this law help to drastically decrease their carbon emissions, it will also provide an economic benefit to the manufacturers of greener technology. And that is quite a word salad. Lucky for you listeners out there, we have come to cut through all that BS and tell you what it's really about. My favorite thing about this topic here is that it kind of 
gives incentives to the political left and the political right. We, we, we stay away from politics here, but when you talk, start talking climate change and carbon emissions, it's hard not to get lumped into those discussions and, and the climate change narratives coming from one side of the aisle. Uh, but this bill specifically goes over to the other side of the aisle yeah. and says, what if we lower your taxes? <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, hey, all right, hang on, wait a minute. You, you just passed a law forcing me to do this. Well, you know, we're not forcing you, but if you do it, we'll lower your taxes. And I like that. I, that's the conversation I'm, I'm here to have. Right. You essentially have to implement ingredients, implement products that are, quote unquote, eco-friendly, greener, uh, less carbon emissions. So you're talking about a cost associated with that with making those changes in order to be, uh, to have a smaller carbon footprint. Yeah, exactly. And I want to give a shout out. There are companies that made this happen. So this wasn't like the, the state didn't just come out and like, you know what, I have a great idea. What if we give taxes back to the people? That's not what New Jersey did. There were concrete companies behind the scenes that went to the lobbyists and said, hey, you want this green stuff to happen? Well, it can happen, but we need to get something like you're, you're wanting us to you're wanting us to do something for nothing you're wanting us to make green concrete for free and it's not free it's not free to make these switches it's not free to resubmit all the stuff designs to the dot it's not free to create an epd an environmental product declaration to change every mix to create an epd for every mix you know it's hundreds of thousands of dollars oh and by the way Make any any change to any of those designs, and guess what you get to do? Change resubmit. the EPD, resubmit yep. more money. Uh, these EPD, these guys, these services that create the EPDs, they're charging you subscriptions every month to keep that data access to that database. Oh, and uh, guess what? Every five years, your EPDs, uh, you know, no longer valid. You have to redo all of them. You know, minimum of every five years. So there's a massive cost to this. And they said, you know, we're not going to do this. You know, you need to incentivize. You need to help us out here. And so that's what this New Jersey law kind of meets them in the middle on that. Well, and and I think the industry kind of had a champion in this because, you know, doing research into here, uh, Lionel LeMay is, uh, well, the VP of the National Ready Mix Concrete Association. He was involved in the talks, and, you know, I mean, he's you know, he, he was basically the advocate for the concrete industry saying, listen, guys, all, all this stuff you want, exactly what you said, it comes at a cost. You can't expect people to shell out this money and get nothing in return for it. So let's talk about what the concrete producer does get. They get uh, an income tax credit of up to 8% of the concrete cost as long as that concrete has an environmental product declaration and it declares that the embodied carbon is lower than whatever the benchmark is that's going to be set by the state legislature. Now, they haven't set that benchmark yet, but as long as you're 20% below that benchmark – then you're eligible for the credit. Uh, actually, the credit is actually split between two different sources. So there's a 5% credit on the total project cost uh, for the provision of the low-carbon concrete materials. And there's a 3% credit uh, that actually goes toward you actually establishing those EPDs. So they pay you back some of your money for establishing those EPDs. But there are limits. Uh, the state of New Jersey has a $10 pot for all concrete companies to feed out of. $10 million. $10 million. Yep. And uh, Well, that's up, for everybody. They cap a specific uh, company at $1 million. Right. 
So yeah. your your specific company can get up to that's what one million dollars in tax incentives. You're saying they it's uh, as long as it's twenty percent lower than that number. How are they setting regulations without even having a number to begin with? Oh, Joey, you're barking up the exact correct tree. Let's go. All right. So <laughs> I think in order to have this conversation, we really need to talk about what other approaches have been tried. So the end goal here is to reduce the carbon footprint of concrete and cement industry. That is the goal that the state is trying to implement here, right? Well, so, and, and let's lay this out before you go any further, that these credits are only applied to state jobs, which which is about 40%. Yeah, about 40% of the concrete in New Jersey is... Right. But the only the only way you can apply and, and gain these these credits and rebates is if it's for a, a state job. State jobs only, that's right. But So let's talk about what other approaches have been tried to reduce the carbon footprint. So uh, one way they've done it is just forcing manufacturers just coming in with a heavy hand the the government just comes in and says uh you've got to provide a concrete below a certain gwp which is what they reference here in this stuff gwp so what is that that's measuring the global warming potential of any material all right what does that mean well global warming potential is sometimes referred to as embodied carbon so you're talking about measuring whatever the co2 equivalent is in a material okay how do you derive a co2 equivalent who's doing this math where is it coming from well the global warming potential is the relative potency molecule for molecule of greenhouse gas taking account of how long it remains active in the atmosphere the GWPs are calculated as a 100-year value. So they're they're penalizing you not just for when you make it there, but it's essentially times 100. <laughs> and CO2 is the reference gas. So a 100-year GWP for one ton of CO2 has a value of 1. So that's your reference, just as a as an understanding, uh, just gas to gas. So let's talk, not talk about concrete for a second, but if you just think methane, so methane gas, the methane GWP is 25. So for every 1 million tons of carbon dioxide going in the atmosphere, the methane would be equivalent of 25 million tons of carbon dioxide mm-hmm. going into the atmosphere. So one way is to force manufacturers to comply and meet a certain GWP. Second way is something that we've seen here in the United States where you've got the U.S. General Services Administration that comes out and says, if you want any jobs from the federal level, you have to meet these targets. Now, very interesting because what had to happen is they said, hey, you have to meet these targets. They said there, there is a table that says this is what the benchmark is, and you need to be below the benchmark, 20%. Who set the benchmark? Ah, oh, we're going to get into that. So... You have to be below the benchmark GWP for a unit of concrete, and you need to be specifically 20% below that in order to even get a job with the General Services Administration. So so the EPA actually had to come back later, a year later after this. So this gets implemented in 2021, 2022, to come back, says, hey, we got all these uh, American Rescue Funds uh, available for in, in the infrastructure act and all that stuff like it's all available but but people can't meet it literally right. can't meet it so what if we lower the threshold and say 
it's lower or less, or you know what, you can't meet it at all. Just you just need to tell us why you can't meet it. Because in a lot of these places, these products aren't available, technologies aren't available. The government is is actually way ahead of technology right now. So you've got all these uh, robots are trying to be implemented, but but they're just having a real hard time. So uh, just as an FYI, the table that the U.S. General Services Administration puts out that a 4,000 PSI concrete generally equates to a GWP of 346. So one cubic meter, cubic meter, by the way, not cubic yard, one cubic meter of 4,000 PSI concrete has the same environmental impact as releasing 346 tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. Really? Is that not insane? Is that not insane? So where did they get that number? So where did they get that number for the GWP? Who, Who made this table? is what I went on a deep dive and found out. And if the listeners out there have listened to our carbon-specific episode, you're about as enraged as we are. <laughs> so so the the United States is using this table, and you say, all right, where, where did this... And then they're saying you have to be 20% below that benchmark. All right, where did this benchmark come from? Okay, so the benchmark was set from... The, the government got it from a policy guideline proposal submitted by the New Buildings Institute. So the NBI has a stated goal to require all new buildings in the United States to eliminate operational carbon by 2030. Eliminate. By 2050, all new buildings are required to eliminate operational carbon and significantly reduce embodied carbon. All right, now we're getting into definitions. What on earth is operational carbon? And what is embodied carbon? All right, let's talk about that for a second because it's important. Embodied carbon is the greenhouse gas emissions arising from the manufacturing, transportation, installation, maintenance, and disposal of building materials. So almost all of what we think of like CO2 emissions in a life cycle analysis are coming from the embodied carbon. The operational carbon is what's produced when you're actually manufacturing the product. So when you're manufacturing cement, the actual emissions that are coming out of the kiln during the manufacturing of the cement. So those two things together, the operational uh, carbon and the embodied carbon together are part of that life cycle analysis of any material that's going into the concrete mix. And NBI's stated goal is to eliminate all of those. So I went in and first read the New Jersey law. And the New Jersey law says there are six ways you can earn these credits and get your income tax money back. Number one, you can have a higher energy efficiency when you're actually making the concrete or making the cement at the plant. Number two, you can use a low-carbon fuel substitute when you're making the materials at the plant. Number three, you can use local materials resulting in reduced emissions for truck hauling. So like Joey was saying with the man sand, don't haul sand from 100 miles away, haul man sand from two miles away. You can actually declare on your EPD that you've got uh, a lower value when you do that. Number four, reduction in clinker content in the cement by substitution of SCM. That one seems like it could be pretty easy to hit. Number five, capture and storage of the greenhouse gas emissions at the cement plant or the ready-mix plant. Very, not very likely. I don't think we're going to see that at ready-mix plants, but they're working on that technology for cement plants right now. Uh, it's still at the university level. 
Uh, and number six, utilize uh, any of that stored carbon in concrete. So things like carbon cure, basically, is, is the sixth way that you could uh, lower your GWP value, which right now the benchmark is set at 346. And after I read the law and found out with the table, the table is created by the New Buildings Institute, but the New Buildings Institute didn't create that table either. It goes even further. The New Building Institute took that benchmark from a 2021 report from an organization called Building Transparency. So Building Transparency has leading sponsors of Microsoft, Google, and the softwood and lumber industry. Yep. So why does the softwood and lumber industry, why would they be sponsoring building transparency? Why does it have anything to do with our discussion? Let's go back to the MBI's report, who took the building transparency table, who then the New Jersey law adopted the MBI's table. They mentioned very specifically in their report on low carbon concrete and how to get the reduce the embodied carbon in concrete construction, there is a specific line buried in the middle of that report that says, this report does not make a note about timber and the impacts of timber in the construction processes. Right. And I'll expand on that. Not just the CO2 equivalent from the timber industry, but destroying animal habitats. Right. And all the emissions related clearing those forests so why well, and 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 erosion as well and erosion as well forest it leads to erosion destroying yes lower grade lumber for as well because it's just not the same when you've you've grown a tree for 20 years versus 200 right so why does all this matter each of these organizations is sourcing its data from the exact same person the nbi took its definitions and goals from a group called the Carbon Leadership Forum. The Carbon Leadership Forum is a team of folks at the University of Washington that's led by the chair of their Department of Architecture. Just so happens that buildingtransparency.org, that organization is housed where? The University of Washington. And wouldn't you bet some of these same folks are on that group too. So you have what looks like completely separate entities that are taking the exact same statistics, the exact same stats, the same tables. They're repackaging them in cute little distribution packets, nice little pictograms, and they're feeding it to the federal government, and they're feeding it to the state government. And they're feeding it to the New Buildings Institute. And now when the state sits here and says, well, I've got a report from the New Buildings Institute. I've got a report from buildingtransparency.org. I've got a report from the Carbon Leadership Forum. And all of these people are telling me they've come to the same conclusion. Yeah, they did. (laughs) It's the same person. It's the same person. This person is out there, and they're sponsored by super high-end tech companies and the lumber industry. Right. Right, so basically, lumber lobbyists are better than concrete lobbyists at this point. That's what it boils down to. My God. Yeah. So the story we're talking about happens to be on the other side of the country in New Jersey. So 
these concrete producers and contractors in the state of New Jersey are hampered by these arbitrary numbers that no one really knows yet, but somehow you got to be 20% below that. No one knows where this information is coming from because there's so many layers of insulation before you get to the actual source. Come to find out the actual source all comes from the same people. Same group is, of academics. That's funded by people that want to see our industry fail. I'm telling you. Yes, exactly. You nailed it. You nailed it. I see this a lot in the hunting realm. It sounds really familiar. The example that's coming to my mind is uh, grizzly bears in the Yellowstone area, like in that corner of Wyoming, in that corner of Montana. They have delisted grizzly bears uh, from the endangered species list, especially in this region. And on the state level, they were like, okay, we'll delist them because the population is suitable enough. They've increased their population enough to be sustainable, to treat them as a renewable resource for the state. So hunters can... They pay to apply for a bear tag. They would only release a couple of of tags. They pay to purchase that tag. They pay to get there. They they send all of these funds to the state to hunt these bears. And the state is okay with all this. But there are so many people not informed about the situation in that region from across the country that are having a tremendous input on what happens to the small region uh, of the country. And that's exactly what this sounds like. It sounds like there's a bunch of people out in Washington that have their own agenda and their own goals and their own research, quote-unquote, and their own statistics and data that come from Washington, and they're implementing that to New Jersey, exactly what this sounds like. It sounds like a bunch of people from across the country just sticking their nose into a bunch of people's business. Yeah, you, you nailed it. And But the interesting thing to me is when we started in on this deep dive of this bill, I originally came into this discussion really excited that we had a government proposal that was like, yeah, we want you to do this. We understand it's difficult. So we're going to give you, t- you know, tax rebates and incentivize you up to a million dollars a year in a, in a business that's low margin. I mean, this is a low margin business. And, you know, people don't like it, but it is a commodity-based business. They don't like it when we say that, but it's true. And if you're able to get a million dollars in tax rebates, tax incentives, it just makes all the sense in the world to go ahead and get out in front of this and, and start working on it. But as I started digging into it and I, and I saw – the hoops you're going to have to go through to achieve these metrics. And I saw where the metrics came from. I, I'm just telling you, boys, follow the money. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think, I think we need to take a harder look at some of this stuff and make sure that we're all doing what's best for the industry. Listeners, that's going to do it for the first edition of the Ad 10 More. Feel free to reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. If there's a topic you want us to research and discuss, uh, feel free to reach out to us and and let us know, and we will do our deep dive on that because we love this stuff. This is a lot of fun. This is this is a good twenty five minutes of of pure fun for us, um, and we like to we like to make this industry better informed. I would say I wouldn't say more informed. I would say better informed, and uh, that's just one service that we like to provide here with this podcast for sure. Um, so, you guys got anything to add? Nope, it informed us too. You know, we're learning along the way. I couldn't believe uh, that my opinion changed that radically. Uh, where now I'm, I'm a little bit suspicious. Yeah. And uh, I just encourage everybody as, as your states start to look into adopting 
these types of incentive programs that we just keep our heads on straight about where the benchmarks are coming from. Now, New Jersey has not set its benchmark yet, but I would imagine it's going to follow the federal government guidelines that already use these same benchmarks uh, that I was describing to you folks from these organizations that may not have our best interests at heart. Yep, yep, well said. Well said. Joe, you got closing remarks? Yeah, when uh, when you said follow the money, I mean, that rain, that brought back a lot of uh, memories for me, especially, you know, y'all know I'm involved with a lot of conservation organizations and whatnot, uh, and there are a couple of those organizations out there when, when you follow the money, these organizations that may paint the picture of being in, in the, the hunting community's best interest, the majority of that money comes from the exact opposite. I mean, yeah. they, it's coming from people that are using this organization to further their own agenda in the name of, you know, like uh, there's a couple of instances like public land access and some of these other things. It's they're, they're a, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing sometimes. So do your homework. Yep, yep. That's a perfect statement to end on. Everybody, we will see you next Tuesday with our next Add 10 More segment. Hope you enjoyed this one. Y'all be good.